Good morning, people of God. I know, is this like the first time in 10 years that I've been up here when you finished? I think it is. <laughs> 10 weeks, not 10 years. I don't know if it's because I had my act together or because there's just so much going on today that I didn't want to miss out. But uh, special welcome to all of you visiting with us. For those of you joining us online, my name is Pastor Dave Parker and King of Kings is our family of faith and you are welcome here. A um, couple quick announcements. First off, we will be receiving uh, our, the new members, the transfers, especially from Faith, who are joining us with that merger, following our offering time today. We're excited about that. Finally make this official. Uh, if you ordered a sub-sandwich or multiple sub-sandwiches for Super Bowl Sunday today, you can pick them up right after worship. Our youth group is making them as we speak. They are fresh. Uh, and if you didn't pre-order one, they're making some extras. So, if you would like to have your lunch taken care of or your supper taken care of tonight, and you're okay with uh, subs made by, you know, 8th and ninth graders, which they're going to be great, uh, they're, they're just head back to the social hall. And uh, if you want to pay with your phones, with uh, like Venmo or thing like, something like that, we do have that available now. So, that's pretty cool too. Was there something you were flagging me for, Nancy? Just saying, you're awesome, Pastor Dave. I love you. You're, this, is, this is the most amazing day ever. Oh, they're wearing gloves. Oh. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a letdown. <laughs> Dang it. I was so close. No, yes. So they're clean, too. That's even better. This Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, so we will be having a worship service at 7 o'clock. You can come and get your ashes. Um, it starts off the season known as Lent. Uh, Lent is 40 days of intentional time to connect and reconnect on a deeper level with God, and just kind of a time to stick, take a step back from our lives and just acknowledge what we focus so much of our time and energy on. Um, after Ash Wednesday, every Wednesday night, we're going to be having a, uh, a supper at 6 o'clock back in our fellowship hall. Uh, anyone and everyone is invited to join us, even if they're not members here. So we're going to eat at 6, and then every night will be a different project, a different devotion, uh, followed by uh, whether it's uh, you know tying prayer blankets or, or making uh, cool little things you can display around your house uh, or something that you can give to someone. So there's a different theme for all five of those Sundays, so we invite you to come join us. And yes, confirmation students, this is still required. You can't get away from me that easily yet. Well, all right. With all that said... Let's get after it. I invite you to stand as you are able and greet the neighbors you have around you. Let us pray. Almighty God, the light of your truth shines from the mountaintop into our hearts. Transfigure us by your beloved Son and illumine the world with your image. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. And all of God's people say, Amen. Please be seated. Well, sisters, brothers, dear ones, grace to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So I am fully aware that there's a ton going on today between uh, we've got a baptism in just a bit to receiving the new members to thinking about the subs that you may have ordered or someone that you want to get. And of course, there's the big game tonight 
and any plans you may have or whatever else is currently going on in your life. But let's all just take a collective deep breath right now. Those things will happen when they happen. But for right now, let's be present in this moment and hear God's word together. Amen? Amen. Today is known as Transfiguration Sunday. It's always the last Sunday before Ash Wednesday and the start of Lent. And it's this day where we get to read about and, uh, and hear and imagine this, this amazing, transformative, miraculous story of how Jesus was transfigured before the eyes of his disciples. Because we've been doing it, we're, we're going to stick with the book of Mark. The story is shared in multiple Gospels, but today, from the book of Mark, the ninth chapter, starting in the second verse, I invite you to follow along on the screen. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Well, then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. So, I am regularly amazed at the human capacity and the need to draw meaning from almost any and every circumstance. You ever noticed how much we need things to make sense? Have you seen that in your own life? Or at least have the things that you experience kind of fit into a plan. We have that need, don't we? We want things to make sense. When something happens, there must be a reason, right? And I think we do this because meaning provides stability. It's the thing that we crave. It gives us assurance that the world is understandable and orderly and has value. Because if it isn't understandable, well, things can feel meaningless or or chaotic. Maybe even hostile. And so we're born meaning makers, always seeking to lay some imaginative order on the various events and circumstances of our lives, often by trying to fit those events into some larger and meaningful plan that we create. We do this. Sometimes when we do this, it's helpful. Like when we can take a a step back from whatever we're experiencing, maybe a huge transition, And whether positive or negative, we can kind of see or believe that something new could be good. And so the ending of a significant relationship might have meaning because it uh, signifies the possibility of a new relationship or a new experience. 
that hit me again today, this morning, as we are welcoming new members who have merged and transferred from Faith Lutheran Church. Because it's most certainly sad to experience the closing of a church community that has meant so much. But then, in order to kind of try to make sense of things, right, and fit within our our beliefs, we can believe that it also might be an amazing blessing where we can find and create new relationships or try new ministries or have new opportunities come up. And so at least in that respect, it's helpful to try to find meaning in things. You could claim some sort of meaning behind what's happened that it could be good. At the same time, I've also seen how this desire to find meaning isn't helpful, especially when we impose our meaning on someone else's circumstances or struggles. We do that as as well. I'm willing to bet, and I'm not a betting man, but I'm willing to bet most, if not all of us, have either heard or said when someone has lost a loved one, okay? Don't we almost always hear somebody saying, well, God just needed another voice in the heavenly choir, right? Or God must have needed another angel. I've heard pastors say that very same thing. We so desperately want something to fit into a plan that we're willing to say something to try to make meaning out of it. And it ends up being an escape, or worse, making someone who's already suffering pay for someone else's desire for meaning. I mean, did God really need another voice in the choir? Does that mean God took my loved one away from me? Can you see how how saying or thinking in that respect is dangerous? Trying to find meaning in something that, that may or may not have had meaning, but because we want it to fit inside of a box. We try to cram it in there, and it could be more harmful than anything else. All of which brings me to this week's reading about this transfiguration. Because in all the Bible, short of the crucifixion, this story defies an easy interpretation. It's one of those where you just kind of sit back and go, wow. Probably it's a hard, hard one to not only hear and try to understand, but to believe that it could happen. Especially because it just flat out rocks the world of those who witness it, as Mark tells us. Here Jesus takes three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, up this mountain with him. And there he is changed, transfigured, dramatically before their eyes. Mark even seems to struggle to find the words to, to uh, do justice to what happens here. Jesus' clothes, he reports, became dazzling white, adding like no one earth could ever bleach them. It's as if Mark is saying, no, 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 you don't understand. It's whiter than white. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's more dazzling than dazzling. It's like nothing you've ever seen. And if this isn't enough, Jesus is then joined by two of the goats, the greatest of all times in the Jewish tradition, by Moses and Elijah. I mean, it doesn't get better than this moment. It is an epic moment. And immediately after this happens, we get a word from Pete. And Peter says, it is good for us to be here. This is awesome. Uh, let's, let's set up camp. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build you some dwellings, some little huts. We're going to stay up here for a, a, a long time if we can. This is great. And now, 
Peter says this because part of their tradition, okay, one of the festivals that they celebrate is called the Feast of Booths, where the Jewish people remember how God brought them out of slavery and out of Egypt, and they lived in the wilderness for 40 years, basically living in leafy huts, whatever they could find. And they celebrate this every year, also paying tribute and honor to those who who helped them along the way through people like Moses and Elijah, those great prophets that would have been part of that story. And so Peter is taking what he's experiencing it and cramming it into something he knows. He knows he should celebrate this moment like the Feast of Booths. So he takes this inexplicable moment and tries to find meaning, tries to make it fit his purpose so that he can understand it. You still with me, dear ones? Because by Peter doing this, he comes extremely close to missing an encounter with God. Just a moment, just imagine with me. If he would have just jumped on that right away and said, you know, it's good to start building some huts, and he takes off to go find the wood or the materials to build these, these huts, because right after this moment, a voice from heaven rains down upon them and says, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. He would have missed a God moment. If he would have been more concerned about trying to make sense of something that really maybe was more of a mystery. And here's where we come in, dear ones. Because I wonder how often we do the same. Just curious, by show of hands out there, how many of you would love to have some kind of experience with God that that gives you proof that you are not alone, that there is something more and greater at play in this world? Raise your hands if you would like that. Of course we do. And yet in those very moments when God draws near into our lives, I wonder how many times we find ourselves afraid or unsure or feeling suddenly very out of control, and so we try to domesticate that experience of the holy to fit into something that we can understand, to cram it into what we want to see how God works. Why do we do that? I'm thinking that as much as we want an encounter with God at the same time, we fear the presence of God because we know when we come up against God, we're going to change. God's going to transform us into something new. That's what God does. And I don't know about you, but it sure is way more comfortable to stick with what I know, even if it's not great. Right? It's like that little story of, of the baby who was like holding on to their dirty diaper. And it's like, well, it's warm and it's mine and, and you can't have it. Right? Well, how often do we do that in our lives? It may suck, but at least I understand this. So, so go away, God. I, I want to know you're there, but not really because if I have to change, ooh, that'd be uncomfortable. And so when God comes along, maybe not as dramatic as our story today in dazzling white clothes that no one has ever seen something so white, but in the ordinary hopes and encounters and even the tragedies of our everyday life, when God comes and unsettles things, we try to cram it into some plan. 
We say things like, well, I guess God wants me to learn something. We do that, don't we? There's an entire book of the Old Testament dedicated to this. It's called the book of Job. Job literally loses everything. His wife, his family, all of his stuff, and all of his friends for 39 chapters show up and say, what did you do that you deserve this? And it's struggling. the whole struggle is Job trying to understand, trying to make sense of why everything was taken from him. So here's what I'm, I'm still learning, okay? I've really wrestled with this this week, and I, I don't know if I have a full and complete thought yet, but, but I just, I want us to challenge. I want us to be challenged today, okay? I want to challenge you to, to possibly think of something with me here. What if, maybe, just maybe, there is no plan? Now hear me out. At least not like we tend to think. Because I know in the book of Jeremiah, God says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans for you to prosper and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And so often we hear those words and we think, Okay, I guess this is what God wants to happen. I don't get it. It's not fair. But that must be the plan. We think that way, don't we? But what if instead of the plan being a God who's holding the puppet strings and causing this or that to happen, what if instead of that master plan, the only plan is love? What if that's the plan, just love? And instead of cramming everything that's ever happened or will ever happen into some divine plan that we will never understand, we can look at those same verses from Jeremiah And see it as God's promise that no matter what happens, God will love us and will walk with us and lead us to a future with hope. What if that's the plan? Because then it's less about trying to figure out why something had to happen. Isn't that the age-old question that we are stuck with? Lord, why did this happen? Why did this happen to me or to my loved one? Why, why was that person taken? They didn't deserve it. Why not take someone bad? They were awesome. We try to cram that into having some meaning in our preconceived notions of how the world is supposed to work. And instead, what if we can free ourselves from having to make sense or or fit something nice and tidy in a box and instead just stand together in the mystery of God and God's love? What if there doesn't need to be an answer for everything? This past Wednesday in our adult Bible study, uh, it was awesome. So I showed up, I taught confirmation, they broke up into small groups. I come over to the adult Bible study and just, you know, See if they have any questions. Sometimes I can answer them, sometimes I can't. But the question was, Pastor, can you briefly summarize who the Holy Spirit is? <laughs> briefly? I, don't, I can't even do it lengthwise, like a lengthy one. And it was a great question, because isn't that exactly what we want to do? We want to know how we're supposed to understand things and how things fit into place and and what we're supposed to be looking for, right? And the danger is, is that any time that we put limits on God and what God can do, we stop looking, we stop asking, we stop wondering because anything else just isn't possible. 
If you think God is only in church, guess what? You're not going to see God outside these walls. If you go to church or to work or to school expecting it to be boring, guess what it's going to be? Boring! Because it's the only thing you're looking for. And like to Peter in today's story, when you try to cram something, especially things that, that maybe don't have understanding, into something that you expect or try to, that fits in your own world, you will miss out on so many encounters with God. We are seeing that everywhere in our society right now. Everywhere. We are in a day and age where all of our individual truths are the truth. And nobody can tell me otherwise. I know what I believe and it's right. And if anyone else believes something else, well, you're just wrong. People refusing to listen and to learn, fighting the possibility of being changed and transformed into something new. Because it doesn't fit their safe understanding of how things either have always been or how things are supposed to be. We do that, don't we? And I get all too well that we have a need and a desire for things to have order, for things to make sense, for things to fit in like how we want them to fit in. But today, I hear God inviting us into something new. Peter has this preconceived notion of what's supposed to happen next. Awesome moment, let's stay in it. How does God respond? This is my son Jesus Stop listening to yourself and listen to him. I wonder, dear ones, if that's a message for us today as well. Where God is speaking out over our lives. This is my son, the beloved, the one who I love and I'm well pleased with. Will you start listening to him, please? (laughs) Stop getting it in your head that everything has to have the kind of meaning or purpose or plan that you think it needs to have and just be willing to live in a mystery. We do that without even thinking sometimes, people. Communion. We have communion every Sunday. You're going to tell me you understand how God is in and through and becomes and and is, is everything around that bread and wine? That's Jesus? You understand that? No, it's a mystery. And it's not about trying to understand it. It's about living into it and just being willing to wonder together. Let's let that be our mission this week. And maybe not to have to have answers and meaning and purpose for every little thing and instead just wonder together what could be. Just wonder where God is in the midst of this issue or this conversation because nothing is ever black and white. And knowing God, nothing ever fits in a box. You draw a line in the sand and Jesus is going to be on the other side. You put God in a box, he's going to blow that thing up. That's how our God works. So be on the lookout this week. Anytime you start to put limits on God, God's going to laugh and say, you have not seen anything yet because my love can't be contained. May we hear God's calling to seek him in all things instead of what we want to hear and see.
May we be open to being uncomfortable with things that we don't yet understand and trust that God is with us there in that mystery, especially in the mystery of his love. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we can't thank you enough for the gift of today. We thank you for who you are and for all that you are and for the ways that you invite us into relationship with you and at the same time invite us to be changed. Lord, refuse, us to, refuse to let us be the same today. Open our eyes, crack open our hearts just a little more and dare to believe that your love extends beyond what makes sense. Help us to see in each other a fellow brother or sister or dear one in Christ. And not worry about the, the, the compartmentalizations or the, the differences that we put people in or the distinctions or the... And just let us see one another as a possibility of understanding you in a new way. We ask all this in your holy and precious name and all of God's people say, Amen. In response to the generosity and the promises of God... We now receive our offering. Amen. At this time, I want to invite uh, all those who have either transferred or are willing to uh, have been through our Intro to King of Kings class to come forward and kind of uh, make a line up here so we can all see your faces. Come on down. Oh my goodness, I promise not to bite. Come on. I know it comes as bittersweet, but we are excited to uh, invite and welcome uh, between 35 and 40 um, members from faith to come and uh, be with us here at King of Kings. And we are blessed because of it. So at this time, I'm going to invite you all to say your name into the microphone. Just pass it down. That's literally the only thing I'm going to make you do. Okay? All right. Thank you. Elaine Harler Young. Joan York. Helma Newman. Des LaCourse. Diane Peterson. Chuck Peterson. Ferris Daoud. We're excited to have uh, even more at our next service. Well, these people have come to us and desired to come one with us here at King of Kings, and uh, they've worshipped with us, attended our introduction to King of Kings class. Um, and in baptism, we are welcomed into the body of Christ and sent to share in the mission of God. We are called to live among God's faithful people, to hear the word of God, to share in the Lord's Supper, to proclaim the good news of Jesus in all that we say and do, to serve all people following the example of Jesus, and to strive for justice and peace in all the earth. Sisters and brothers in Christ, do you intend to continue in this covenant of your baptism among God's people here in this place? If so, please respond, I do, and I ask God to help me. And now you, people of God, do you promise to support and pray for these new members in their life with Christ? If so, please respond, we do, and we ask God to help us. Isn't it nice to know people are praying for you already? That's good. All right. Let us pray. We thank you, Lord, for these wonderful new additions to our family of faith. By your life-giving power, bind us to each other in you, strengthen us for service, support us all our days, 
and bring us at length to that day when all your children will be one and you will be all in all. And all of God's people say, Amen. Now let us welcome them with our applause. So I encourage you, dear ones, after worship today, you've seen their faces, heard their names, introduce yourself and uh, welcome them officially as you are able. At this time, I invite you to stand as you are able as we continue with our prayers. We now pray for God's blessing on the church, the world, and all of creation. At the end of each little phrase or repetition, I will say, merciful God, please respond with, receive our prayer. Let us pray. We pray for the church, that the transformational power of God enters the hearts of all people. May its leaders serve as examples of your grace and healing across time and space. Merciful God, receive our prayer. We pray for the creation that we humbly observe in the swirl of wind and the, the heat of the bright sun. Teach us to honor all that you've made and to care for the animals, plants, and air and bodies of water of this planet. Merciful God, receive our prayer. We pray for those charged with leadership, lawmaking, and governance of our towns and states and countries that they will strive for goodness and justice all the days of their lives and callings. Merciful God, receive our prayer. We pray for any who are sick and suffering, especially those that we name now, either silently or out loud. Guide us to offer hospitality and shelter, friendship, and care to any who are in need. Merciful God, receive our prayer. We pray for this congregation and its ministry and the wider community. May we share the transforming beauty and love of God in ways that honor the dignity of all whom we encounter. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Receive these prayers, O God, and all those too deep for words. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, as we now pray the prayer he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. We now take a moment to reflect on our week and to confess those times when we have failed to live as God calls us to live. So I invite you to say these words along with me on the screen. God of life, we confess that we are wrapped up in sin and cannot free ourselves. We nurture conflict and build walls. We neglect the needs of our neighbors and ignore the groaning of creation. Have mercy on us. Where we are self-centered, open our hearts. Where we are reluctant, give us courage. Where we are cynical, restore our trust. Renew us with your grace and give us the hope of new life in you. Amen. And now hear this, dear children of God. 
In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given over to die for us, and for His sake, God forgives us all of our sin. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by God's authority, I therefore declare unto you the entire forgiveness of all of your sin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and all of God's people say, Amen. At this time, uh, I invite you to take out your communion kits for those of you wanting to commune at your seats, or for those of you joining us online, I invite you to grab some bread and some wine or juice as we prepare ourselves to receive the gifts of Jesus Christ. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread. He gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, and it's given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup. He gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, and it's shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. This time I invite the the communion deacons to come forward. For those of you either at home or communing from your seats, the body and blood of Christ given and shed for you. Amen. For the rest of us, the ushers will soon invite you to come forward to receive communion. Uh, After consuming the body and blood of Christ, we invite you to continue walking around the outsides. You can drop your cups in the baskets on your way to your seat. We also have gluten-free wafers, if that is your preference. Just let the server know. If any children would like to come forward and haven't received their First Communion instruction, we would love to give them a blessing today. But also, whether you're a member here or not, whether you're even a Lutheran or not, this is God's love given and shed for you. So come, for all is ready. You are most welcome here. People of God, may the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen you this day and keep you always in God's grace and all of God's people say, Amen. I wanted to share one story before I jump into the blessing. Uh, We had an individual come in this morning who um, was going to be homeless if uh, we weren't able to help. And, uh, you know, sometimes we get stories and sometimes we get truth. But regardless, uh, because of your generosity here, we're able to help a lot of the families that come in uh, and, and need assistance and need food or need another place to stay for the night or things like that. So again, as, as those moments happen, I am just so very grateful for all the ways that you guys continue to support and uh, you know, give of your time and your money and your treasures so that we can be God's people here on earth and just be a safe haven for people in need. So thank you for who you are. Amen. Amen. May you receive this blessing. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, and until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. Amen. I invite you to stand one final time.
Amen. God is good. With that, people of God, you go in peace and share the good news. Thanks be to God.